0: It's a cruel, cruel
1: Right, hi everybody! It's Francesca and Melissa. Hi, of RVA Dirts Municipal Mania. Mania, mania, mania,
2: mania, mania. mania. We're gonna start that
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> All together
3: now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great choir director, right?
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and you're
1: listening to RVA Dirts Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. mania.
0: Yeah.
3: There we go. All right. (laughs) Just snap into a Slim Jim. Eat me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can already tell that this show is probably going to be a little off the chain. In some ways. Yeah, But that's good, right? We need it. We yep. need we need a little bit of a happiness and joy in this.
1: We did. I missed y'all last week. I
3: know. Oh, my gosh. I've been so busy. It's y'all. okay. We You were with us in spirit, though.
1: I was. It was Juneteenth, too, when the show aired. And so I was, you know, having a little spiritual moment with my ancestors at home, you know? Yep. So it was good. It was good. I was good. But I missed y'all. I missed y'all. I'm no, I missed,
3: I missed too. y'all. But now we're here. Yep. And um, we're going to have a fun show.
1: Started from the bottom. <laughs> now we're here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome into our living room, friends. Yes. We, we have got- some friends with us today. We do. We got a lot of guests. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is actually a jam-packed show. And um, so we have a little bit of a panel discussion now. Yes. And then later in the show, there will be um, two other separate. Uh, segments as well. So.
1: Yes, y'all getting a whole lot. You getting a, a whole mess of show. Earful today.
3: So, Fran, what are we talking about today? Gay stuff.
1: All right. Cuz it's Pride <laughs> month and so we're going to amplify voices
3: of regular gay and queer folks in our community of the old RVA. There you go. Because last, last week we had organizations that help out folks in the community. And this week we're having the community.
1: The community.
3: And some of this community, um, actually all of this community has a connection to WRAR that's sitting in this room right
1: now. Now that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool
3: um how about everybody we go around the table and we're not going to introduce ourselves because if you're listening to us you'd better know who the hell we are
1: and if you don't oh well you'll find out real quick you're don't right. worry
3: and then we'll go around and you guys tell us about yourselves um, however you choose to identify and
4: what your preferred pronouns are so that we know so um jim uh pronouns are he his mostly um <laughs> you know, i've uh, never really found anything that fits me other
3: than queer
4: just yeah it's been a long time living in this city and i've seen it change a lot from when i was a kid
3: mostly in the better and jim also is one of the original volunteers at wrir and a longtime uh family member of mine mm-hmm. the, so, the volunteer yeah he was the volunteer
4: uh, I <laughs> wrangled
5: bits here for quite a while <laughs>
6: <Yeah>. <laughs> next
5: i'm ben, I'm ben. um I'm 21. I've lived in Richmond for four years now, and I use they, them, he, him pronouns. I've always been super, super gay, and (laughs) I've always... Identified as gay and always felt gay and happy. happy. Gay and happy and merry. Yes. Here
3: you
0: go.
5: Um, yeah. And
3: the Bens, they were merry. Yeah. There you go. I
5: also do stuff at WRAR. I'm a board operator. I'm also a DJ here. And Melissa and I are working on pitching a show. We soon are.
3: I know, I'm so proud of my little ducklings. <laughs> Woo-hoo.
2: Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. Been in Richmond, I think five years. Yes, five years. I'm a lesbian, a big one. A Lebesian? A, a big lesbian. A big one? Yeah, a, just a big old lesbian. Okay. <laughs> and I have had a great time in Richmond so far and I love being queer and I love my queer friends. Aw. Hey.
7: And who's with you?
2: Oh, yeah. My special lady, my girlfriend, is here.
7: Hi, I'm Angel. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I'm 22 years old. I've been living Richmond in Richmond coming up on four years. Okay. Um, I came out right before moving here. So my experience here has been very full of wonderful gay experiences and I couldn't be happier with the place.
1: That's awesome. And just to let you guys know, because you guys can't see, they're wearing matching outfits. Yeah. (laughs) It's
0: true.
7: We are are that couple some days.
2: Well, in our defense, she did just buy these shirts when she was on vacation. So Uh it's easy to... um, Uh
7: Never mind. It happens
2: anyway. There's no excuse.
1: Mm, Okay. Well, y'all look cute. Y'all look cute. Thanks.
3: We're here today to talk about your experiences in your life and in Richmond being queer. Because guess what? Fran and I aren't.
1: Nope, I don't know nothing. And about so
3: it. we don't want to tell your stories for you. <laughs> we want you to tell your stories to us. I'll start over here with you, Jim.
4: So I mean, I've been living in Richmond since I was seven. Yeah. Um. A so my mom came out when I was in kindergarten. Aww. So I grew up in the lesbian community in Richmond. Yes.
2: Oh, wow. And wow, that's a great. That's a that's great.
3: Yeah. His moms are phenomenal. Women.
4: Yeah, they. Uh, so I grew up with. You know all of these wild women who wore boots and yeah you know, took no shit <laughs> from anyone. Yes, and, uh, I kind of. Just, I'm used to it in a way that people who don't have a gay family don't experience. Uh So, like, I'm just used to, oh, okay, here's a woman. Here's her partner. And it's, I've seen some of the bad fights as well as some of the good fights. My mom was there when the Equal Rights Amendment started purging all of the lesbians in the early 80s. But they also got married in D.C. as soon as it was legal. That's... The family background, and you know, then as myself, I just date whoever's awesome. There you go. Um, Yeah. And there's interesting things about being in the bisexual part of the world as a masculine guy that as a culture we're still dealing with but I'm okay with that yeah you know, we'll have that discussion we're having that discussion now
1: right mm. let's take a poll before we go because that's a good point who has um a parent that's queer anybody else
2: I have evidence to possibly suspect my father might be queer but we aren't there yet
1: yeah yeah we don't know yeah yeah Yeah. You're I just, want him to be yeah. right right but I don't know and we were saying that earlier it's it's harder too for men especially if mm-hmm. you lived as a heteroman mm-hmm.
2: Already. Right, he's like he's sixty two years old, you know, it's yeah, it's tough.
5: True. I have polygamous parents and one of my parents is not straight. Oh, but, oh wow! Yeah. But that's they awesome. are not—they are not out of the closet. So okay, that's okay. all the information I can discuss. I that's it. totally fine. It's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. That's cool. And I—I I theoretically don't know either of those things, but I know those things. You know. Uh
2: oh! <laughs> Oops! We're spilling all of our family's drama on this program right now. Sorry, <laughs> mom and dad. All
3: the dirt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> digging it, digging it up. You grew up in a lifestyle that uh, other kids may not experience or understand. Like, how was that?
5: Yeah.
1: Well, was it, were they open? Because he yeah. says he's technically not supposed to know. Yeah. So maybe you didn't, didn't quite grow up in.
5: It was interesting. Um having that kind of dichotomy (coughs) and Mm -hmm. knowing what I knew Mm -hmm. about my parents okay, and kind of coming to terms with that while also coming to terms with my identity. Mm -hmm. And for me, it really came in like two parts. I've always, I I don't know, the closet has never felt real for me. Mm -hmm. I've always felt like I've lived as a gay person in my life and I've never felt as though a closet was confining me because even before I was like, Out, I feel like I lived as a a queer person. Mm. Um, So coming out for me was really like a two-step process. It like happened very formally to my family and like uh, my close friends and stuff probably already knew. But it like all happened formally when I was 16. And then when I was 18, I came out as gender non-binary. And it it was kind of interesting just like compromising sort of the things that I had expected and like knew about my parents in particular during this time Mm -hmm. because they were throwing away preconceived notions of who they thought was their son Mm -hmm. I kind of was also getting all this insight because I was starting to understand sexuality in a broader term and so I was like picking up on these nuanced things and I was like beginning to understand it and so it was like I'm also having to throw away my notions of what A functional marriages and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because some people traditional exactly. So it was like this whole entire time I'm kind of thinking that tradition is transcendent of like sexuality and stuff like that. Like if you're a gay man, you're just going to get married and have like that one partner forever. But then realizing that my parents aren't exactly like that definitely was eye opening and helped me realize that I'm not like that either. Like I'm so far from monogamous and I'm very like open and vocal about that now. And so it definitely manifested a very inclusive environment where I felt comfortable to mm-hmm. come out and be myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but also an insightful environment where I was able to kind of learn a lot more a lot quicker too without even without them even knowing that I was learning it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ooh, Intel.
3: <laughs> In y'all's lives growing up as lesbians. <laughs> Big, big
1: old lesbian.
2: Big old lesbian. We'll see. The key term in that sentence was growing up as because I definitely didn't. My entire childhood, up till my first year of college, I was convinced that I was straight and I Uh never had those thoughts even up until the end of freshman year. So it was very different. And where I lived, I lived in Nova. So it was a very much of a bubble Mm -hmm. where there was never any queer people around, at least that were out, let alone, you know, flamboyant or proud or you know talking about their experiences so I never really had that and I came from a family that wasn't really exploratory with anything other than the norm Mm -hmm. so I never really knew much about any of that part of the world until I came to college and VCU is such a out of all the schools in Virginia it's definitely the most diverse public school and such a large community of queer people of POC and everything in between so it was very eye-opening for me in My freshman year, because I realized once I, you know, found my sexuality and understood who I was more, it was very obvious, you know, those subconscious feelings were always there, but I never really reached for them until I saw what I could be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, starting sophomore year on until right now, I mean, I've been, I'm very proud of using my label as a lesbian. A lot of people don't like using labels sometimes, but I'm very proud of being a lesbian, being a dyke. You know, it's a community. And like you were saying, the lesbian community is a very tight knit and very unique community in where we don't have that masculine energy. You know, every other group of people has some sort of masculine energy. But for the most part, the lesbian community, it's very much a just a very different world. And it's been great to explore that here because where I'm from, there's nothing like that at all. Mm-hmm. So understanding that there are pockets of the world, like I said, that have none of that information. It's hard for people to understand if you're not searching or knowing where to search. Yeah. So it's been weird. I, I think back before I, you know, came out and I just don't even know who that person is. Like I was a completely different person. I remember being very much overzealous with wanting a boyfriend and wanting that heteronormative, normalized yeah. everyday relationship or <laughs> life. And it was just that overcoming. Because I was so confused and frustrated mm. with not knowing, so it's been a really whirl, big whirlwind for me. I think so. I'm I'm very happy with where I am now. I know I know who I am. I have my lady, oh. and yeah, it's it's just great for me. Growing
7: up, I didn't really know maybe three or four queer people wow. up until year up until the year before I had moved here. I grew up with one cousin who was gay, and the only way that it was you know explained to me from anyone. That I looked up to to explain it to me was that they were different and weird and didn't mm-hmm. fit in with everyone, and mm-hmm. they had a lot of their own personal issues, which people mm. close in my family I think perceived as mm-hmm. like I don't know maybe they translated it in their minds as their queerness. Well, you know, exiling it's just, uh, them from society. You know, I don't society know. sees it as an illness. Exactly, it's a thing that you can catch. And so like, I, yeah, I grew gay. up. I grew up with it not being very normalized, and you know, <laughs> being excluded from things. For being who you are mm-hmm. and being open about that. And so with that and, you know, my own personal notions in my head, I was very confused. And it, I think it played a lot into like my depression growing up um, and not really knowing how to understand myself and kind of just shutting myself out from the world because I didn't understand it mm-hmm. and it all changed when I met a girl that I, at a job that I you know started working when I was 18 and I started getting to know her more she was a lesbian I started meeting her friends and it was, you know, and it, was, it like, fit, it, per- it fit perfectly. Right. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, wow, these people are actually like awesome and really nice, and there's nothing wrong with them. They're just like me. They're and not weird. Yeah, over time, I, you know,
0: or
5: maybe they are weird. It's but the good weird. They're though. cool weird. That's good weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead
4: yeah. of the backing up slowly kind of weird. The queer, exactly.
5: the, the queer weird, if the you queer. will. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
7: but uh, yeah, I, I came out to my parents and basically moved like a month later because I didn't feel comfortable. Mm. being out in my environment Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. kind of, you know, came from ground zero and have grown so much Mm -hmm. ever since coming here. I've actually met Kim before I had moved here Mm -hmm. and immediately had a crush on her. That was four years ago. So, yeah.
2: We met through a mutual friend and, you know, one drunken night, we all just hung out and, you know, just got to know each other. Then over the next year and a half, she she chased me. And... and. Throughout that time, that was also when I was very confused and had just recently come out and not really, I was, I mean, I'm going to say it, I was still a virgin up until I was 20 years old. So like I never even got so much to just kiss someone until I got to college. And I think obviously knowing that now it's because of, yeah you know, that Being confusion and too. not wanting to engage in anything. But yeah, I mean, we met, we knew each other for a year and a half. We finally got together and we've been together for what? Two years now and a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Going strong.
3: There you go. Well, off air, Ben and I talked about kind of going out in the wide world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you
3: touched on that, too, yeah. um, about what it's like going out in the wide world and being yourself and being out and proud. I know you every year go to Burning Man. Oh, yes. Oh, oh man. Jealous. That's on our bucket list.
2: Yeah, for sure. A,
4: Burning Man is it's a place where there is an entire gayborhood. Of Stop.
2: Gaybor-hood okay, we There's, have to go. Yeah.
4: There's, you know, a couple of lesbian camps. There's, yeah, a camp, yeah. A, camp a camp of, all camp camp of just of lesbian lesbians.
2: and camp. Two words that always go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's so. like Woodstock type thing.
4: Um. Well, if Woodstock was in the middle of the desert, um, and there was a lot more fire and a lot more art.
3: Ah. yeah, it's a really neat um coming together of yeah. all kinds of communities. Like yeah. I think it is. It's I'd have to say it's fairly intersectional,
4: up to a point.
0: Yeah, um, so tell we us can about ta- that.
4: we can talk a lot about uh, some of the social justice problems and uh. the casual racism that happens out there mm. because Uh-oh. it's a whole bunch of white artists who think right. that they're you know superior. Yeah, well, they think that they're um, high-minded, and to uh, a point, they are, uh, and they really don't like getting challenged on that when you start bringing black people into it. Uh oh. Yeah.
3: So damn black, so black people. We can never people. win. We can't <laughs> even win with the gays. Damn. Get out there to Burning uh, Man, Lord.
4: It's yeah. expensive, but it's a lot of fun. But uh, and, it,
2: and it needs more black people. Yeah, apparently. Most things do. Everything does. <laughs> oh, Everything's better with everything. black people. Well, I have to damn say.
4: It. But the. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, Burning Man is a place where no matter what you want to do, so long as it's not hurting somebody else, yeah, it's allowed. Yeah, and if you're hurting yourself, well, as long as you don't die while you're doing it, well, you're w- good. We ask that you don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Generally, don't don't die, please. There you go.
4: But yeah. it's a it is like it, it came out of San Francisco, so uh-huh. the gay community from San Francisco was part of Burning Man from the get go. Gender bending is as much of a part of the event as dust and hot temperatures all right so it's a there it's a very very interesting place to go and if you haven't been to a big you know, a big gay area mm-hmm. it can be incredibly liberating also if you want to see a whole bunch of young guys wearing just sparkly thongs Oh, the gayborhood is the place to go
2: okay so right. that just sold me for sure 100 <laughs> percent,
0: <just
1: saying>. <laughs> gender yeah. bending and lots of young gay guys in and sparkly thongs sparkly dancing
4: dancing to like really really good djs there's a lot of really good dance music ah. out there
2: awesome
3: so yeah there are, are very wonderful and accepting places and then you turned me on to looking at the Queer Appalachia mm-hmm. um, Instagram.
5: Yeah, it's a,
2: what? What was that? Queer Appalachia. Queer
5: Appalachia. They're a community. <laughs> organizer collective, Uh Um, I don't know where they're based out of or who exactly runs it, but they focus on bringing together uh, like disjointed communities in rural Appalachia and focusing on LGBTQ inclusiveness and Mm -hmm. development uh, within like pocket sized communities in rural Appalachia. Mm. Um, And I think that's really important because like Melissa said off air, we were talking a lot about this and the overlapping problem problems that happen in rural Appalachia and rural America as a whole and how there's so many different compounding things that go into play. Like you have entire communities in rural Appalachia that would never have access to safe spaces like Burning Man or Coachella or wherever because there's no infrastructure in West Virginia and you know people in northeastern Kentucky are relying on coal industry and it's there are, there's just entire pockets of communities that in rural America that don't have any network or support, um, let alone financial freedom to have these safe spaces. So what Queer Appalachia does is super super important, and it really rings true in Virginia because, oh, Melissa and I were also talking about this, like, Virginia, you kinda can forget that you're in the South when you're in Northern Virginia, yeah. or you're in Richmond, because there's a fair amount of people of color, and there's a fair amount of diversity in terms of, like, gender and sexuality, but as I w- it, you literally can go North 10 minutes, West, any direction West, and any direction East, and any direction South and you're instantly reminded that the rest of Virginia is not like those two urban population centers. Mm -hmm. Like the rest of it is so in the past and so antiquated. And That's what I was getting ready to say. When
1: I think about a lot of the people I grew up with that they may not have been openly gay to everybody, but most of the time they were all, most of them I can think of were open with me. And there was no safe space. You know, I grew up in Smithville, Virginia, Mm -hmm. which is about an hour 45 minutes south of and and antiquated is not even I don't even know if that if you can even say it's that even it's just you know the same you know everybody's kind of tied to the same families the same rich families marry each other and there's kind of like this in club and out club and I remember there was this group of girls I won't call anybody's names because they're some of them are no longer um, living in the gay lifestyle anymore. But I was in high school and I was there for one year and then I came here to Richmond. But these girls just decided that they wanted a safe space. How they went about it, oh, something different. They were gay. And back then it was like, it was like a club. It was like, if you want to be gay, you can come be with us and be gay. And most of the girls on the basketball team, you know, were gay. And then, oh, yeah. you know, I was, How the, well. <laughs> I was on the track team. A lot of, we shared the locker room. And so this, I remember this hit list going up on the chalkboard. It's like, what is this? And it's like these two girls that were like the ringleaders. And I'm telling one of these girls is just absolutely terrifying. And so they were like, we're going to create our own safe space. And if you don't like it, well, they, <laughs> It wasn't safe for anybody else. It wasn't safe for anybody on the hit list. But it was just kind of like, wh- you know, why why do you have to do this? And I ended up talking to one of the girls because, of course, my name ended up on the hit list. And I was like, so how are we going to do this? Right. Because we finna fight when I, <laughs> if you come up on me with some right. crazy stuff at school because, you know, I'm one of the people that, you know, is is supportive of, of everybody you know like i don't know what this is i don't know what this hitless stuff is but we right. need to talk about this and she was like basically since it's so difficult for us to be out and be gay and not be picked on and not be teased and not be you know we're always the ones getting <laughs> dumped on us at lunchtime and getting ostracized and you know we can't be gay at home because our parents don't understand what that is and we can't be gay on in the community because gay is like a sickness or an illness or something and you know good god you can't be black and gay because that's just well and,
5: and it's kind of a defense mechanism that's exactly amongst what LGBTQ it was youth where kim and i grew up yep. just south of dc there was this um gay Gang. Gang. Um, that's what they were. They were a gang. They, they were called Check It and you there's a Oh
2: my gosh, I forgot yeah, about that. And yeah.
5: there there's an amazing documentary about the Check It Gang Wow. And its roots in D C. But it, it's just people fending for them it's young well, kids fending for themselves.
1: Well, they they weren't exactly fending for themselves, but I think in this girl's mind, mm-hmm. with the way she described it to me was because we get picked on, because we get you know, we're gonna give other people a dose. Right. of how we get treated. Right. They didn't have any support. They didn't have any type of education or any type of anybody to look up to. And that's why I ask, because that's so important. When you have a parent that's open and, and you know, um, understanding and even, or just a friend or somebody that has experienced, someone that's gay, it's like, okay, I've got an outlet or I've got someone who I can at least talk to. Even if they don't understand, you can listen and it's not like, oh my God, you're. Ugh, let me take you to church on Sunday and pray for you. Mm. You know, because that's the response and where I grew up, if you you know, you, if you were gay or you know, anything like that. I mean, we had a, a, girl, a grown woman, she's heterosexual of course but she's sleeping with somebody's husband and the girl the wife kicked the door in and like <laughs> with a pistol and was like, I'm beating somebody's up. The first thing they said was gotta go to church on Sunday. So they went to church today <laughs> and you know, and prayed and I'm like, this is the most foolish stuff, you know, but that, that, that's, the sol- that's the solvent for everything. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're gonna pray the gay out of you. Mm-hmm. Then of course I came here and I went to private, all girls Episcopalian boarding school and it was like gay yeah girl bye you gonna get expelled for getting gay for being gay oh really don't catch the gay it was like not allowed I mean it was it, it's just it was not a welcoming place and now I go on that campus and they have safe spaces and you can go into it They uh, there's actually like a little sign and it says this is a safe space and I'm like this is so progressive that's why I'm interested in hearing like what you guys because I, I mean of course I don't live the lifestyle so you know I, I, I deal with the different different another type of discrimination but to see it from the outside looking in i've always had a gay male best friend forever all all the time i love all of my you know my gay my my gay daddies i love all my gay daddies but i've it i haven't had that i don't know i've always just felt like it was not that accepting and maybe that's because on the shoulder they cry on I hear like the bad stories and it might also be too because they're black gay men yeah. you know that may be it too because we're still leaps and bounds from
2: I was gonna say because Ugh. as a white person first of all I, you know, I'm a lot less likely to hear anything about, you know, prejudice or what have you, because I appear, you know, obviously white walking down the street mm. and I'm not so obviously queer that, you know, someone feels the need to say something. So I've never really experienced maybe verbal or even physical discrimination or anything mm. like that. So I definitely don't have an experience like that, which is just really interesting, especially in Nova. It wasn't like if you were gay, you were out mm-hmm. of school or something like that. It was mostly just no one really said anything about it. And there was never talk of. Of the consequences of it because it never really came up and everyone just kind of knew that they didn't want to come forward with it if they want it was just very because i never felt any hostility towards anyone that was gay because i never really knew anyone was gay in high school right especially because i had no information prior i didn't explore as much as i do now as a grown-up and it just yeah i mean that just that whole story is crazy to me Mm -hmm. like that's just Because, like, again, Northern Virginia, such a bubble. Mm -hmm. It's basically just an extension of D.C. So a lot of, uh, you know, racial diversity. But the queer community was kind of nowhere to be seen except for in D.C. And it was a lot of just big neighborhoods and, you know, small towns and just schooling and the suburbs, basically. So there was no spaces either, really, for anyone to go. There was no clubs. There was was one gay club in town, and it closed down after two years. And everyone was like, oh, of course it was going to close down after two years. And I didn't even know what that meant. So it was just very much, like separated from everything that I lived through. Like it never came up hmm. which
5: is really weird. Yeah coming out in high school was weird because like you said where we come from it, it isn't really discussed especially amongst a younger crowd and stuff like that but I so confidently knew that this was who I was and I was like well I act like this regardless so I'm just gonna come out of the closet about it. For being a occasionally gender non-conforming person in a all the time gender non-binary person I've gotten so much like verbal harassment Mm. for the way like I will wear a crop top or like have painted nails or something so stupid like that. I've had people in high school harass me for it and even in Richmond like I have had people harass me over some like stupid stuff. I'll be walking with a queer friend of mine and someone will ask me for a cigarette and I'll be like no I don't have that and I get yelled at and called a faggot and I'm Mm. like that was awesome I love that like <laughs> yeah. it's so
3: it, good about myself right. today. I'm just like
5: <sighs> it, it's like casual just like subtle remarks and like harassment stuff like that that's just like an everyday a most unavoidable thing because so many people have made offensive terminology like a part of their regular vocabulary yep. so they just kind of like drop it and it's like oh my god I'm actually a faggot like the, it has implications right. when you say that to me like like it's right. not just like you're saying that it's like no I, like I'm gay like right. it, it has it, deeper implications
4: yeah what is this ne- what is the next step going to be am I going to have to run from your ass right. I mean I am a big butch dude and I get ah! yelled at me when I'm wearing a kilt. It doesn't matter. If some people, if you don't meet their idea of gender norms, they've gotta say some shit. Yeah. Normally from the car so that if it turns out that you're Right gonna, as they're driving <laughs> by, right. Right. Because like, oh wait, wait, come back here and say that to my face. Yeah, yeah like, good luck. Let's let's have a little bit of fun here. Yeah. Um it's yeah. like the vast majority of people are changing. Like this country compared to when I was in high school when we had to hide the fact that I had two mothers Otherwise, the state would have taken us. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Like, that was
4: the 90s. Right. Like, the Sharon Bottoms case Mm -hmm. was when I was in high school. So we had to hide. And the state considered my parents to be felons. So from that to where we're at right now is a huge change in a very short period of time. But we've still got all that (laughs) bullshit. We've still got the people who think that it's their job to protect the world from these dangerous queers. Right. And they're going to do it one slur, one insult, one bigoted statement at a time. At a time, yep,
0: I agree.
4: You know, it's the responsibility of everybody who hears them to make it not acceptable. Like, it can't just be queer folks that say, hey, man,
2: stop saying that. Ah."
4: Because they're not going to listen to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're the right. a dead horse. straight <laughs> people
2: and like in any sense, in any instance of you know bigotry or racism or what have you, any of the isms, you know, you have to have the people that are not a part of that group come forward because they have a responsibility as someone who doesn't go through that to say something. Like you said, they won't listen to these people if they feel some sort of way about right. them. You need that allyship for things to really move forward bingo that was the
1: word
3: I was looking oh, for absolutely yeah. so we have just a few minutes left and we'll wrap it up but I just want you guys to say whatever you want to say a message to young queer kids coming into VCU and and and, and, and high school and whatever what Richmond is for you what like, is it everybody is it like? has a different
1: yeah. experience yeah.
3: and just let's end it on a positive yeah, note for yeah for sure
4: keep it wrapped up <laughs> yes it's like that's that is still important that's for everybody yes yeah. please uh, just remember that you're learning how this goes and there's not a lot of rules. So if things go bad, it's okay. There's tomorrow. We all fed up our first relationships. You will too.
0: It's part of growing up. And that's for everybody.
4: <laughs> Literally. And go out and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And find friends and go out and have fun with friends. Because every like that's really the best way to experience Richmond. Yeah. is as a pack of queer folk running through and fucking shit up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Black
4: people tried that and it did not go well. <laughs>
2: yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> That's a discussion for a whole yeah. nother day. <laughs>
1: yeah. So that message is not for everybody.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh look, a minefield.
5: <laughs> Be proud of yourself, no matter what anyone is telling you. You are a wonderful person, probably, and I hope you are. Probably. Um, and, you know, take the time to learn about queer history, not just in. Know your history. Yeah, know your history. Know your history. Right. Like, it, not just in terms of knowing who the people that came before us to make our lives a lot easier today but knowing the nuanced history of Richmond's LGBTQ past, the intersections of sex work that exist and the intersections of race that exist Mm -hmm. in the LGBTQ history of Richmond is really important and taking the time in this culture, in this environment where it's more accepting and open in this city in particular than it's ever been before take that time to really capitalize on the fact that you can learn a lot of LGBTQ history now compared to what you used to be able to learn?
2: All I would have to say is, you know, stay alert because even though we've come so far in the fight to just be normal people and not have to think about all of this when we're getting up in the morning, that there really is still a lot of, as we like to say, gay mm-hmm. in the community where even within our own community, there are a lot of people that, you know, rank certain people within that identity. And we don't need that. We just need to be able to love each other and just exist yeah. instead of having all of this extra sh- put on top of us. Like, we just need to focus on being kind and finding those people and not being afraid to talk to people you wouldn't Talked to before. Mm -hmm. It's just, I've never met better people in my life than in this town. And I feel so comfortable now because I want to spread joy and I want to just be happy. And the toxicity of, you know, bigotry and all of that out there is just such a waste of time. And, you know, if you're coming into the city and you've never met a gay person before and you think you're gay, like just strap in your seatbelts and have a good time. Like just know that it's going to be okay and that we are here Mm -hmm. for you. I'd say I'm a perfect
7: example of that situation where I don't feel comfortable in my own skin and coming to a place that was more accepting really changed my life for it to be so much better than it was before. And I couldn't ask for better people in my life. No matter who you are, how you identify, what you like. Life is about love and respect mm-hmm. and existing for the better part of life and not worrying about those problems and being happy together as humans.
1: So, all oh, are
2: so beautiful. So, uh, in
1: other words, you know,
7: drink your water all
1: summer 2019 and mind your damn business. Hey, gay
2: is okay. Gay is
4: okay. And sometimes it can be pretty f- ah! fabulous. It's, oh, oh, yeah. Oh. Oh,
2: most of the time, fabulousness yeah. exudes from every pore for
5: sure yeah and it's just fun come come join us sometime it's fun over here and listen to my
2: show on saturday (laughs) evenings yes um i have a show called the dyke agenda where i give you my agenda on being a dyke and everything in between so please (sighs) tune in seven to nine on saturdays call me up hit me up i'll be your queer friend if you don't have any
5: there you go you can hear me on the radio one to three a.m friday mornings With music for airports, where I play really sad and melancholy music. Oh, shit. But sometimes (laughs) we want to be sad, so. But sometimes being queer is sad, so we like to celebrate that with sad music at one in the morning that you'd be crying to in your bed or in your car.
3: There you go. Oh, damn. Thank y'all so much for coming today Ooh. and sharing your stories. This is really beautiful. Yes. Thanks and, for having us. Um, and thanks for being a part of the station, too. Yeah. Uh, I want to say. Every- best part of my day.
1: Yes. Yeah, anybody want to plug their um, how people can reach them yeah. or find them, social media, anything like that? My
2: Instagram handle is just the Dyke Agenda, no spaces. And yeah, that's what I use pretty much for everything. So that's the best place. All right. Anybody
3: else? Well, all right. I'm-, I'm. Oh! Yeah.
4: <laughs> Jinx. Um. Uh, <laughs> A good place if you want to find some queer folks, um, come to Gallery 5 for the first Fridays. There will always be some queer folks there. And a couple times a year when there's fire there, that's where the burners are.
2: Yeah.
4: All
5: right. So that's where you're going to find people about to talk about Burning Man cool um on instagram i'm at the board operator that's the b-o-r-e-d operator because yawn <laughs> i'm bored
7: oh gosh <laughs> i can't Uh, my instagram handle is angel rose w you can find content with me and kim on there all the time and oh, you can m- bask in our wonderful gayness right maybe too much
2: content sometimes because we get a little excited but wonderful <laughs> content nonetheless <laughs>
3: listening to rva dirts municipal mania heard every wednesday at 11 a.m right here on wrir lp 97.3 fm richmond independent radio all right everyone i would like to welcome another guest
8: hello Hello? Who are you? I am Aaron Saylor, and I live down here in Richmond. I'm a VCU student.
3: All right, Aaron, I'm going to ask you a question. Let's go. How do you identify?
8: I am a transgender male, although I sometimes identify just as a male because that's like a whole bucket. Yeah. Um, And my pronouns are he, him. And yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, how does it feel being he, him and trans male in, in Richmond right now?
8: Um, good. I grew up in Northern Virginia, so that was... I actually grew up with a very good environment. I had a lot of support with school. My mom is my best friend, so that was great. A hey mom. Yes. She helped me with hormones and doctors, name change, all of the... All of the transition I consider myself done now and moving down here it was just nice because it's a much bigger queer space I would say rather than what or what Northern Virginia is
3: and you are in a couple you are in a relationship
8: yes with a cisgender bisexual man
3: All right. And that comes with challenges, though, too, right? Oh, for
8: sure. Yeah. He doesn't like to call us a gay couple, but we are. (laughs) On the outside, at least.
3: Yeah. Can you kind of explain the dynamics a little bit? Like, imagine that when we're listening, we don't know...
8: Okay, <laughs> well, so he's cisgender, so he would be the opposite of me. Right. So that means his mind or his gender correlates with his sex, and there's so that matches. Whereas me, my sex would be female, but my gender would be male, so I transitioned physically took hormones, got surgery, did the whole nine. and Not the whole nine, actually. I didn't get bottom surgery, so we'll, we'll make that clear. But a lot of people don't who are transgender don't want to do the bottom surgery. A lot do, goes back and forth. And so he's bisexual, so he likes males and females. And I identify as queer rather than bisexual, but I just like the blanket term that it has because I feel like bisexual is limiting. I don't know, I, I love the vagueness to the term queer.
3: Well, yeah, because it kind of means You know i can just be me exactly right
8: so that's how i identify and he i like to say that we're in a gay couple though because when we're walking down the street holding hands people see us as a gay couple right so but he doesn't like that because the whole, I don't know, I think it's whole, the whole dynamic of me not having a penis makes it weird for him.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, like, how's anybody going to know walking down the street, though?
8: Yeah, exactly. You know
3: what I mean? Are, are we going to wear signs with our labels on them? It was
8: actually very funny because my mom came to visit the other weekend and we were, we were Wyatt and I were walking in front of them, or my mom and my stepdad. And she just went to my stepdad and she's like, nobody would know that they have heterosexual sex. I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. So <laughs> I was like, wow, my mom is having those thoughts. All right.
3: Your mom <laughs> is a, a brilliant lady and absolutely accepting. And I love her already. Yes. But not everybody gets that sort no, of. No, I was
8: very privileged. I was very, very privileged when I came out. I actually, the way I came out to her was across the table at an IHOP. Christmas Day. It was our breakfast. Wow. And I actually came out as trans in the middle of my parents' divorce. <gasps> So that was a whole other thing going on. And I think I dealt with the divorce a lot better than my brother did because I was dealing with myself. Yeah. Makes sense. But I hadn't spoken to her for like nine months because it was it was a mess. Let's just put it that way. And so we reconnected probably late november december time she helped me get my hair cut off my hair was like halfway down my back it was super long and so she took me to i guess salon barber whatever hairdresser and helped me or like paid for my haircut and i got her all chopped off and i was like wow i don't know why i was so scared to do this because it was immediately like weight off my shoulders
3: yeah you just felt free
8: yes yeah and then we went to breakfast at ihop and She's like, so do you want to be like Chaz Bono kind of deal? And I was like, who is Chaz Bono?
3: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about age disparity.
8: Yeah. <laughs> because, because I know. <laughs> I was 15. I had no I, idea. No idea. And so oh she gosh. explained it, and I was just like, yeah. And then three months later, I moved into her home with my now stepdad, her boyfriend at the time. And she started using he, him pronouns, told her I wanted my name to be Aaron. She got really mad that I didn't let her choose my name. And. Yes, I was, but
3: you birthed
8: you. Exactly. In
3: your situation.
8: I thought it was funny, honestly, because she got. She threw a fit. And I was like, no, I wanted my name to be Aaron since like age four.
3: Reclaiming my time.
8: Exactly. So she chose my middle name. And
3: well there you go exactly you got something
8: there was a compromise there
3: in your trans life Mm -hmm. have you ever run into anyone who didn't have that sort of acceptance and did you offer any support
8: see so how i go about it is i was the first person who was out outwardly trans at my high school and there were a lot of kids that were just confused and I meet a lot of people where they tell me that I'm the first trans person they've ever met and so I like to go about those situations with a very open mind and I let them ask me all of the bigoted offensive questions that they'd be afraid to ask Right. Like, they'll ask me what my birth name is, and I'll be like, don't ask anybody else, but my birth name's Ava. There you go, because you want to know, then I'll tell you. But it's like, there's a lot of stuff where I will tell them to not ask anybody else, because that is a very offensive question to some people, but I'm not offended by it, because I know. Teacher. <laughs> I just know it's not malicious, and they just want to understand.
3: Well, and, and until we get to a point where... You know, this sort of thing is natural and you don't yeah. bat an eyelash at it, you probably are gonna get the offensive questions. Oh,
8: yeah. Grinder. So I was on Grinder for about a year and a half or so. I'm not on it now, but Grinder was a mess. So I would get, I was openly trans on Grinder because, I mean, Grinder's mostly for hookups. So I feel like I should sure. just be open about that like the questions that I would get are like, which hole do you prefer? Or like, so does being on hormones dry everything up down there? Like, and then I also get the questions of, so how could you, or why would you decide to go from f- oh my. straight men to go for, to go to f- <laughs> oh my. gay men who are not interested in what you have down there? I'm just like, what? Oh, pardon? Exactly.
3: Because imagine, being straight like me, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but nobody wants those questions. Nobody. It's nobody's business. And so I'm not sure what emboldens people, but I think I think what it is is they feel like you're less than in some way. Exactly.
8: And right. then we're extremely fetishized. Like there's the trans community as a whole is extremely fetishized. It not I would particularly say that it's it's mostly trans women who are fetishized, but trans men obviously I I experience it myself, but there's there's people on Grindr who are like I only want trans gender people. I only want cross-dressers. That's that's only what I want. And I'm just like, we're humans. <laughs> like, we're not just your objects to play with.
3: No, yeah. this is... <sighs> And this is, a, this is a problem, seriously. I, we were talking about um, in last week's show about trans youth, especially they get into survival sex work because people fetishize them and they feel like they have nowhere else to go. There's clearly a desire, but yet they're still treated like garbage. Yeah. And we need to get over this second class citizen mentality. I mean, if... Cis-hetero people are allowed to live their truths. Why can't everyone else? If God made everything perfect and God is perfect, then why are you complaining? Exactly. Because you know
8: everybody wants to bring religiosity in somewhere. and And then there's like the whole bathroom problem. Oh, Lord. And I just I if people tell me that they have an issue with it, I look at them and go, so do you want me to use the female restroom? I have a mustache. I have short hair. I am completely male presenting. (laughs) Do you really want me to go into the female restroom? And actually, in high school, before I was comfortable with solely using the male restroom, they had me use the clinic bathroom because it was unisex. Like, but I was sometimes I was just like, I just feel so other like having to walk to the clinic to use the bathroom so i would just be like screw it I'm gonna use one and then I went into the male restroom and then I got really scared because I was just like I've never done this before and then I went into the female restroom because I was just like screw it nobody's in the halls right now everybody's in class and so I was using the female restroom as I was washing my hands this girl walks in I look her we look at her we make Full eye contact, and then she just turns around. <laughs> oh, no. And this was before I was on hormones, so I was just like, I guess that means I'm passing, but also, what <laughs> just happened? But it just the whole, yeah. So, but I also think that there's a lot of people who have somewhat valid fears like I don't want to discount that yes it is weird they have valid fears of saying like yes there could be men who dress up as women who are not transgender and like going to attack Females in the female restrooms about that stuff. But at the same time, I feel like those people have never spoken to a transgender person. And I feel like that we are not humanized in their minds because I, I've just recently have connected with a friend who has never met a trans person. She's very Christian. She's very on the conservative side, but she's the nicest human being I've ever met. The nicest. And she and I sat down the other day, I think it was last week. And we just, I started asking her questions about Christianity and she started asking me questions about what it's like to be trans and how I grew up and I feel like that those conversations are more of what we need it's more to reach that understanding and not to be offended by somebody just trying to learn
3: and to immediately just say oh no you're wrong yeah because my god says you're wrong let me exactly understand you instead
8: and and she she talked about the, the application of the religion rather than following your lord in the two commandments that she said were the most important it was like loving thy neighbor as thyself and believing or i don't know i'm not christian (laughs) it's um but like following oh have no other lord
3: uh, before me yes Yes, that's what it is
8: so those are the two commandments that she deemed to be the most important and she i think follows those completely whereas other people like my father, likes to say the application of the religion is more important. As in, when I I came out in stages, I came out as bisexual and then I came out as a lesbian. And then I was like, wait, no, this isn't a sexuality thing. This is totally a gender thing. And then I came out as trans. But while I was a lesbian, my dad decided to tell me, I don't believe in gay marriage. It doesn't, it goes against the Bible and it doesn't fit what the Bible says because I I think the Bible says that marriage is only between a man and a woman. Somewhere in there. And so that's why he's like, you guys can have your civil unions or domestic partnerships, but you guys can't get married. It's like, it's not that deep anymore.
3: No, it really isn't. And people don't understand that all documents, historical, historical fiction or whatever, should be fluid Mm -hmm. and be willing to change with the times because nothing, nothing is set in stone.
8: Exactly. Until
3: it's already passed. We have to be willing to grow and learn and change if we're going to be a better society. I... Unfortunately, this current administration doesn't feel that
8: way. Not at all. But I'm, I'm, I'm loving all of these states that are putting up those pride flags, even though, like, in spite of Trump's um, declare of you can't have them up in your embassies or your Congress. Yeah. What does guidelines? that
3: make you feel like when your federal government, who's supposed to represent you and everyone's interest in this country, clearly does not give two shits about what you think? And your life?
8: I mean it's awful but it's I, I feel like that's why we need more activism and I feel like that's why we need more voices being heard and then the whole like transgender military ban I was so on the fence about it actually I wasn't against those thoughts I mean I was a part of me was and then a part of me wasn't but it's also because I was thinking more so before I even learned more about what the military is or like the the military jobs that we have or like desk jobs mostly I was like well I mean if I'm on hormones and I need to go into battle how does that work? How does that work? So like I can't get my hormones out there so I understood to that point but then I was doing reading and I was learning more and I was like wait so most of these military jobs are de- desk jobs like we're mostly on the state side just working as a regular day job in a sense and so i was like so you're that's... taking
3: jobs from hard-working people
8: exactly and that's where i was just like okay so this is just some some bs there what a failure like a whole general transgender ban, I was just like, this is just idiotic. But at the same time, it's like, you can't send these people into battle because they have hormones and they have stuff that they need to keep up with.
3: Well, I'm hoping in the future that um, more trans folks decide to run for office.
8: Oh, for sure. I mean, Danica Rome up in Northern Virginia, that made me so, and I was just like, I lived there. I didn't live in her district, but I lived there and was like, this is my area, appointing a trans woman to be a representative for yep. for the people. And I'm just, finally.
3: Uh, unbelievable.
8: Exactly. And my partner got to sit behind her, and he was too afraid to tap her on the shoulder and say hello. It was great.
3: Apparently, she's hella approachable. So Francesca, who's Mm -hmm. not here today, she actually met Danica at like a sweet shop or something in Southside. And she's like, oh my gosh, she's right here. And I said, go say hi. She follows us. What? She knows who we are. I about melted into the floor because someone like that means more to me.
8: Exactly.
3: Some, you know, ancient old politician up on the hill, like this chick has got it exactly and it's really it's refreshing and i really hope that um folks are heartened and willing to get out there put themselves out there um to run for office and make big change because really the only way to do it is through policy even at the local level here city council penny if anybody wants to run for city council in 2020, it'd be really should cool. OK, should you should do, do that. <laughs> All right. So before we go, Erin, do you have anything that you want to say yourself? Anything before we close?
8: So there's a big thing that I have been kind of pushing this idea out just in general. And that is, if anybody is questioning any part of their sexuality or their gender identity, any part of themselves, don't feel a need to throw a label on it just to fit in with the rest of us. Take your time. Grow at your own pace. There's no need to throw a label on yourself just to throw a label on yourself. It took me years to identify as queer because I was so uncomfortable with that thought. And now I'm finally there and I'm proud of who I am. However, it took me years and just don't rush it. You are who you are and if you're confused, then sit on it and think about it and you'll get there when you wanna get there. That's fantastic advice.
3: Well, thank you for joining me today, Erin, and sharing your story, being so open. It really is a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you you for having me. Absolutely. So, our guests today are part of the WRIR family. Would you all like to introduce yourselves, please?
9: Um, So, I am Tanisha, one of the two co hosts of Critiques for the Culture here at WRIR, and
6: I am a black, cisgender, queer woman. Hey, y'all. I'm Brooke. And I'm the other host of Critiques for the Culture, uh, not of this lovely show. Uh, but I identify as a Black, I, I'd say gay, uh, non-binary individual who is more masked. Um, so that might be way too much information for y'all. Uh, but yeah, um, I also identify as a social social justice advocate, um, a pleasure activist, uh, ask me more about that.
3: I want to know more about that. <laughs>
6: <laughs> How do I get active in pleasure? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely the book that you can read. Um, that you know, I think it's uh, it's pleasure a- activism. Ple- yeah, it's called pleasure activism, but it's by uh, Adrian Brown. I think it is Adrian Brown. Yeah, if not, please correct it in the show notes. <laughs> Sure. But yeah, what I mean by that is that I I definitely am very sex positive and I believe in every person discovering their own pleasure and living a life that allows them to experience it as much as possible.
3: That's fantastic.
6: (laughs) I'm really excited about reading this book,
3: actually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna jump right into that. So living in Richmond as a, you know, non... I don't know what are we gonna call it—a non-hetero, non-hetero, <laughs> traditional, uh, normative mm-hmm. relationship.
9: What's the feedback you get? Mm. Um, I think that I—I I don't notice things as much. I feel like I think being with with Brooke, someone who's like very clearly a queer person, gets us like attention more than I thought it would. Um, I guess I wrongly assumed that. Richmond is super gay, so, like, they're used to seeing gay people all the time. But there's been a good handful of times where people give us, like, strange looks or they look confused, and I'm like, what are you confused about? <laughs> Why are you? And um, I remember that one time we were at, where were we? Oh, I should, probably shouldn't say the name of the place yeah, that we were at. Some but, restaurant. Yeah, we were somewhere, and the cashier was, like, very confused about what was happening. Like we were sitting next to each other. She like looked at both of us like, I don't what is hap like they both have boobs. I don't know what to do.
6: Who pays?
9: What <laughs> what I don't like she didn't even like take my car. I was like holding my car down and she was like just staring, like looking back at and I'm like, I don't what's wrong? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh- what is wrong? And my favorite thing, yeah, is like when we go to restaurants, like um, full service restaurants, and people are like, one of them is masculine, but they're both
6: I don't know what to do. Actually I think I get handed the check most often and sometimes I'm like, um, absolutely not.
3: Like, <laughs> give that right on No, her. we have equality in this relationship, <laughs> thank you.
9: Yeah, I would say generally people, yeah, sit it on your side, but there's been a couple of times where people are like, Ooh, um mm-hmm. I don't and then sit like sit in the middle, like not in front of either of us, like I'm just gonna and then scurry away. Yeah.
6: <laughs> I, I termed the effect that I have on some folks as being the Dicasaurus. Um <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> And it's like, if you, if you saw a Tyrannosaurus walking down the street, it's like, Oh my God, what's happening? You know? And that's not everyone. That's only some folks. Mm. Um, but I will say that it doesn't bother me. I don't think maybe when I was much younger, I came out at a, at a young age. Um, but yeah, I've been dealing with it so long. Like it's, I'm not really aware of it most times and yeah. Tanisha will say something. I'm like, well, I, that's just life, uh, for me with her, you know, that's my life, whether I'm with a partner or not. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a different feeling I would assume, uh, than someone like Tanisha who in the absence of me folks assume she's straight. Right. Um, so, and I guess that's what it is. Like, I'm not
9: used to that. So I'm like, why are they looking like that? And Brooke's like, mm, whatever, let's go.
6: <laughs>
3: well,
9: you're both black. Yes. Does that have a different layer on
6: top of this for you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, mm, I guess so. There's being black in Richmond, Virginia is its own thing. And it, so it truly is its own. I, I think sometimes when you have multiple, uh, marginalized identities is sort of like okay this this negative thing happened uh someone looked at me funny or someone said something out of pocket like which identity was that attributed to Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and so for me you know is that attributed to my blackness or you know the fact that I'm afab uh but non-binary and more masculine identified is it because of the clothes I'm wearing is it because I'm you know, with Tanisha, you know, or is it because, you know, you're just a jerk? Like,
0: you know, all of (laughs) these
6: Right. right? And so I don't think that there is a way to tell. Um, There definitely is racism within the queer community. And so uh, even from other folks who uh, identify as LGBTQ in any way, um, there's still racism and discrimination that happens within that community as well. So,
9: yeah, I think I would agree that sometimes you can't really tell Um, where it comes from you know people people of color experience microaggressions on a regular basis and there's this this thing where it's like you I feel like it's hard to explain to people that don't experience it but it's like you feel it and you can't really put your finger on what it is but you know that there's like an air of judgment or discomfort or something just in sort the way that ghost people, emotion.
3: Yeah.
6: yeah. I would yeah. say, I would say discomfort uh, more than judgment, but that's just my opinion. Yeah.
9: Yeah. Um, and I think it, I think it depends on the person too and how they, but it's like in how they, and how they respond to you or how they don't respond to you sometimes. So sometimes, yeah, it's hard to pinpoint like which one it is. I think generally I assume it's my blackness, but Sometimes I think it's both. I think people are like, oh, wow, that's too much. Black and gay, good Lord, we can't. Mm-hmm. Checking all the boxes. Hold right? on, too much.
3: Well, you both host a show, Critiques for the Culture, which is about representation in various forms of media. Can you talk a little bit about that show? And what representation in movies and Hollywood and TV, what does that mean to you? In comic books even, things like mm-hmm.
6: that. Yeah, so uh, Critiques for the Culture was born out of the fact that I've always been a movie lover and that was something that we discovered about our relationship early on was that we love to watch uh, movies together. We have a somewhat similar taste. Uh, her taste is a little less refined than mine. Whatever, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you like shoot
9: 'em up movies where things <laughs> blow up every ten minutes. I don't call that refined, but continue.
6: And she loves like really sappy, ridiculous, like love stories that don't make sense and are partly problematic. But it's an I'm a Pisces. <laughs> So we we discovered that early on, and we also um, have a similar level of of, uh, desire to fill gaps that we see in the world. And so uh, there really isn't anything out there, uh, especially in this area, that, you know, we love critiquing. And there wasn't anything out there that we could listen to that was like, this is from people who are like us. There's a lot of queer stuff out there, but... In my opinion, it's sort of uh, white and male dominated, um, and that's a very different perspective than you know AFAB folks who are black um, and have different intersections. And so, um, I think that our show provides something that isn't out there right now.
9: Yeah, I think most of the movie critiques that you see are generally about you know how was the quality of the movie in general, but that's also really subjective. You know, but we wanted to come at it from an angle of, you know, where were we? Like, how do we show up if we showed up at all? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's like you said, the fact that it's from a black perspective, in addition to it being a queer perspective. And even within the fact that we're both black, queer, fat people, we have different perspectives even within that. You know, I think Brooke tends to be a little bit more traditional in some ways. Brooke is more masculine presenting, and I feel like they have, like, that perspective. I think we also have different upbringings. You know, we're from similar regions, but, like, different, you know, different parts of Virginia. We have different—our values are aligned, but, you know, like, different perspectives. So I think it. Um, I think it's important to, for people to be able to identify with, with folks that are—
6: And, I mean, uh, movie critique, TV show critique, media critique— is eurocentric in nature right and so you know when you go to school you learn about white people and what white people think Mm -hmm. and this field media is no different radio is no different Mm -hmm. and so yeah I mean there's been times that you know I've really enjoyed a show or a movie and it doesn't even fly across the radar of the big dog you know critiquers Uh, um, it doesn't fly across the the media radar in the same way. Uh, And on the flip side, there's been movies that, you know, I think are trash that win Oscars, right? Right, right. And so to me, um, there's a cultural difference. And I think that um, all cultures deserve to be represented. And that's what we try to do. And we by no means speak for all black people, all queer people, all AFAB people. We speak for ourselves. But I do think that people across uh, demographic lines can find and have found solidarity in some of our views. Uh, yeah. so
9: and I think one of the most important pieces too is I think the conversations that we have inspire conversations in other circles too. you know. So we do talk about the cinematic aspects of things and you know, character development and things like that, but we talk about the deeper sections of stuff, like what does this actually represent? What does this say? You know, this person putting this in this TV show, like, what is that actually saying? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that ignites conversations which that need to be had.
3: Right. All right. Well, we have about
9: it's about three minutes left.
3: <laughs> is there anything in particular, any message for Richmonders, for queer Richmonders that you'd like to get out here during this Pride month that I feel like just let's just be Pride year. Let's just do it <laughs> all the time, really, because honestly, I get to dress in all of my loudness <laughs> <laughs> that you can't see on the radio. Anything that's meaningful to you that it's a message you might want to pass along?
6: Yeah, I, I would say continue to be you and also realize that pride should be year-round. Like you said, uh, we should always have pride in ourselves. But if you're part of the queer community and the only thing you have pride in is being gay, I need you to be a little more intersectional. I need you to learn about your queer siblings out here that have different intersections than you. And I need you to join in in some of the work, or at least like, you know, if you're not gonna do some of this social justice work, I need you to at least uh, not stand in the way of those who are. Uh, So for me, Pride Month really, unfortunately, sort of highlights the fact that like, how this thing was even started was by two trans women of color. And we're just now really starting to get their names out there, right? Um, which tells the story of history in America, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like That's you know, true. have fun, wear your rainbow, and also like don't forget, like you know, this is one of our identities as people of color in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Pride Month is over, be willing to stand beside us throughout the rest of the year as well. So
9: that latter piece is what I was going to say. You know, people spend a lot of time you know changing their logos to have pride flags on them for the summertime but like what are you doing throughout the rest of the year come
3: to walmart
9: (laughs) 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 like right yeah yeah but what are you doing throughout the rest of the year to support people um who live at intersections you know like you changing your logo doesn't actually stop anybody from being murdered so what are you actually doing Mm -hmm. and i think you um, can say
3: you're an ally but unless you have actions to back up your support
9: really are you right 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 yeah and i think um to brooke's point about you know the the origins of pride i feel like we need to get back to that um i think that's one thing i appreciate about black pride rva is they have um you know the day of purpose and it's about education and you know having conversations and it's about community and even though it's not you know a protest or a rally you know it's still about something that's a little bit more revolving around liberation you know um than just like twerking in your rainbow on it which is fine like twerk away but (laughs) also (laughs) (laughs) also it's supposed to be a little bit more radical than that you know
3: thank y'all thank you for coming and sharing your story um thank you thank you for being open with us and plug your show real quick
6: yeah so um you can support us by listening to critiques for the culture uh every friday on wrir uh 97.3 richmond uh at 10 a.m and then on wrwk the work 93.9 at 7 p.m also you can find us on google podcasts and soundcloud also (laughs) check out um, rva mag we have
9: a column and they're pretty regularly critiquing local plays in richmond as well
6: yeah we're busy check us out that's fantastic do you guys
3: have uh, any social media
6: yeah follow us on facebook and instagram one day we'll get on twitter but it's a wild
3: world on twitter let me just (laughs) tell you i I practically live there so think on it (laughs) thanks y'all so much for being here we appreciate it Thank, Thank you. you. As always, you can hit us up across all social media at RVA Dirt if yeah. you want to continue this conversation or start another one. Yep. Fran, I'm going to have you take us out. But thanks again, you guys. This Thank has been a great you. show. Thank you for having us.
1: Yes. yes, So as always, Flint still has dirty water. RPS is kind of fully funded. We'll see where that goes. And Richmond is most certainly still racist and has some other isms in there, too. But we're working on it. Talk to you next
0: week. Heard. Don't try me, I'm not a free sample Step to me and you will be gentle
8: See, that's my crown on the mantle When to it, the future touches, then you This is the end, I keep really feeling it Here's
9: all my braces, cause I ain't no sleepy bitch Ain't got much to say, cause I said my teeth Guess my words are blunt and I ain't talking to you Yep, yep, you know that I go This is me on the regular, so you know this
0: me on the regular, so you know, yeah, yeah, you know that I, this is me on the regular, so you know. this is me on the regular, so you know.